Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you troubled by stale podcasts in the middle of the night? Do you love films that feature the busting of spooks, specters, or ghosts? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Ghostbusters Resurrection is an RPG audio drama combining tabletop gaming and cinematic paranormal elimination adventures. Call the professionals at nerdyshow.com slash ghostbusters. We're ready to believe you. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. I'm driving a car. Yep, we're also, inside. I'm Tony. He's, yeah, and you're Tony. Uh, we're inside, we're inside of a car right now. We're on our way back from North Carolina Comic Con, Bull City in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, well, it turns out this is one of the weeks where we release Nerdy Show, so we figured what better time than when we are all a captive audience ourselves in a car, where statistically speaking, you have a good chance of being, and we'll just kind of create this sort of a car inception experience for you, and you know, do our usual Nerdy Show discussions as well as share some memories from this recent convention we were at. Yo, dog! I heard you like podcasts in your car. So we put this podcast in a car to put it into a podcast that you can put in your car. Yep, that just about dugs it. God. <laughs> oh, what a terrible start already. All right, so North Carolina Comic Con is a wonderful pop culture convention, modest in scale, but big in talent. And it happens twice a year, once in Raleigh, which is Oak City and is in the spring, and once in Durham, which is in the fall. And in this case, in the Durham show, it's a very unique setup where it takes place in the convention center, which is attached to a hotel, which is attached directly to a movie theater that is also attached to a historic stage performance style theater across the street from which is a building called the armory which is like basically a, a, an old-timey venue for kids to, yeah yeah all that sort of shit so there's a lot of mixed-use venue spaces and it's it's really incredible they're able to have a film festival simultaneous to the convention and then a big dance party at night and all kinds of other things so we were there tabling an artist's alley for Lightning Dogs, our animated series about a pack of anthropomorphic dogs from another world trapped in post-apocalyptic earth battling mutants, miscreants, and the evil glampire. Go to lightningdogs.com for more information. You can tell we've said it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully by now you're familiar with the project, and if not, well, I wish I said it slower, but just go to lightningdogs.com. Check us out. We're cool. Yeah. Oh! Oh! Hashtag pound sign hell noise. Uh, yeah, we tabled next to Becky Cloonan, Ben Bishop, John Lehman was right behind us. Afo Richardson. And uh, Jim Mafood. Honestly, it was the greatest intersection I've ever been intersecting with of any convention ever. Uh, and just down the same the same row as us was Chris Sims and Chad Bowers. Mike Perkins. Oh, just fantastic! And there was in terms of the caliber of guests to give you a sense of like really what they're what they're working with here. Uh, Gerard Way, the front person for My Chemical Romance, who also these days most prominently writes kick-ass comic books like Doom Patrol for DC, uh, was there. Chuck Palahniuk, the guy who wrote Fight Club and a bunch of other things you probably heard of, was there. Awesome, just A-list fucking talent. Yeah, and cool dealers' rooms and so on and so forth. But it's a very um, fan-focused, activity-driven convention that's a lot of fun. I guess if you love comic conventions at all, and you're like, I fucking hate these big shows that are just like warehouses where I pay money to spend money on a bunch of crap that 
You uh, can probably get it online if you looked hard enough. Yeah. Then you should come out to a show like this, or perhaps specifically this show, because you'll get an intimate experience that's like the comic conventions of old, but spiced up with more than enough of the new and a bunch of experiences you wouldn't have otherwise. So the guys tabled the booth, and I... Uh, I did a bunch of panels and visited occasionally, and I'm sorry, folks, for how gone I was. It was even more than I realized it was I mean, going to be. as long as you're out there and people are liking you and you're name-dropping lightning dogs at some point, we were fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And I'm sure you'll be fine with all the executive decisions that Doug and I made regarding lightning dogs that yeah. we were able to push through with a two-thirds majority. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking highlight of the con pop culture-wise... Aside from just hanging out with people and getting a chance to talk to, you know, rub elbows with industry professionals who I feel like otherwise would just sneeze at me, primarily because I, I prompt a lot of allergies to bad jokes, was watching Willow on his 30th anniversary on the big screen. Getting the opportunity to see Willow in a theater with an audience is something that I have never had, and Willow has a very special place in my, in my childhood because it was one of those movies that my parents had that we would just watch watch all the time so to see it to hear the score to be able to identify weird tricks of the special effects that don't quite hold up like a lot of the matte backgrounds and the the corporation there is still great but like uh when finn Rizel is a crow you can definitely see that they green screened in uh the flap of the lower beak in a couple of shots oh yeah i mean well Okay, so, uh, you, so you take particular umbrage with the goat? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Finn Rizal, the goat, who's clearly eating food the whole time. And also, every time that they have a fake um, Elora Dannon in on the big screen, you can really tell. Uh, but but at this point, I've seen Willow on the big screen twice in his 30th anniversary year, and every time I see something new and different, and it is spectacular. All, all weird aged effects, nitpicks aside, it is it is wonderful, and we were thrilled to be a part of that 30th anniversary celebration. We had been trying to do something via our other podcast, our Star Wars podcast, State of the Empire, and our spinoff, Willow Watch, for a very long time now, and this this was the culmination of that entire endeavor. Every, everything that Capitone said, because <laughs> Because especially with what Tony said, it was it was one of the highlights of the trip. I laughed, almost cried. It was great. Ten out of ten. Would do again. Before the film, we were able to offer an expanded edition sort of uh, prelude to things to tell people all kinds of stories from behind the scenes and beyond the scope of the movie about Willow, the way Willow was uh, marketed, all the, the merchandising tie-ins, other aspects of the stories that people mostly don't know. Adapting all the incredible things we've learned in our years doing our Willow Watch series. You can go to willowwatch.com and get a lot of that information for yourself. Uh, but it was really cool doing it in a live setting. And uh, even I hope I hope we're able to do it again even beyond the 30th anniversary year. I think we have a really nice presentation that's worth doing again. Just the entire experience. The folks who put on NC Comic Con are, are great. We love you all. I was on a horror panel where we just discussed the, the genre at large. I was there with um, Jeremy Whitley the uh, author of Unstoppable Wasp, uh, Princeless, and uh, specifically the reason he was on there was uh, a recent run on Vampirella that was it's quite different from the uh, cheesecake origins of that character. Also, Chris Ryle, who is um, one of the big, big figures in IDW Comics until very recently. He just moved over to Robert Kirkman's Skybound label. He is uh, the dude who basically made Lock and Key happen uh, oh, shit. communicated, you know, with, uh, Joe Hill before he really had anything to do with comics, and they talked about potential stories that maybe he could write, and he said, yeah, I like the one with the keys in the house. So, um, you know, IDW actually used to, when they, when they started, they were doing more horror than anything. They secured the Silent Hill license. That was one of the first IDW comics they ever bought was a Silent Hill comic. And Lock and Key is, is straight up one of the, not even just best horror comics, best fucking comics it is, I've read in ages. Yeah, it's one of the best finite comic stories ever done, ever. Ever, ever. And if you're a Stephen King fan, it is absolutely a must. It is tragic, it is beautiful, it is poignant. It's amazing how much Joe Hill's work is cut from the same cloth as his father's work, while still being a very fresh and unique voice in his own right. It's a very special thing. And then there's me, repping Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. <laughs> and uh, and the, Yeah, it was a rare occasion for you on a con like this where you were on a panel as opposed to hosting a panel. Yeah, I like it. I like doing that instead. I mean, I like hosting just fine. 
but it was a treat. That was one of uh, of two times that that happened. I was also on a queer comics panel, um, which is a lot of fun. Just talking about representations of queerness in the medium, pros and cons, where it's headed, where representation is headed uh, in in the comics medium, and great discussions all around. Very interactive with with our audience. Uh, it was it was a real delight. I also did a one on one discussion for a panel with Ben Bishop, an instrumentals artist who's done a lot of collaboration with Kevin Eastman lately, including a forthcoming, like coming out very soon, comic called Drawing Blood, which is a fictionalized account of Kevin Eastman's life. If you've heard some of the archived panels from North Carolina Comic Con Oak City, then you'll already know this story because we had, because Kevin Eastman was there and I did some panels with him, but it's like, what if Kevin Eastman didn't create the Ninja Turtles, this other guy created the radically rearranged Ronin Ragdolls, who are three cats named after uh, famous anime directors. And uh, Hold on. That sounds amazing. And, 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 then, and then it's a it's this weird scathing send-up to the comic book industry and the success of it. And there's like a parody of Michael Bay in it and like hallucinations about, with, about this dude's creations. And uh, it, it sounds... I haven't read it yet, but it, I've flipped through it. It sounds fascinating. So that, that was a very successful Kickstarter. Kickstarter backers are getting their issues soon. And... Uh, Otherwise, uh, it's, it's getting broken up in, I think, four, uh, four issues that will be available in comic stores and collected for the direct market soon. Uh, there's also a standalone issue of Radically Rearranged Ronin Ragdolls. I want all of this. I it, really do. It looks amazing, and Ben's art is fantastic. I also did a one-on-one panel with uh, Rob Venditti, who's uh, author of many, many great comics, including Exo Manowar, The Surrogates. Long-time uh, friend of the show. Green Lantern. Yeah, he's been on the show a few times. And uh, most recently, he absolutely dazzled me with his run on Hawkman, who is a character that I don't give a fuck about. Massive figure in the Justice League and, you know, seems to always, you know, always be a touchstone of that team, but has so very seldom been handled well or interestingly at all. I've given Hawkman many shots and come up with absolutely nothing to show for my efforts except wasted time. But Rob's Hawkman embraces all the convoluted continuity and streamlines it into a tale that fills time and space as this man, Carter Hall, Hawkman, realizes that all these past lives he's lived are occurring at different points in history and are all part of some big tapestry that's warning him of something coming. And you don't have to know anything about Hawkman. And that's what, so it's, it both indulges all this convoluted continuity, but then puts it together in a way that's new and fresh and absolutely accessible to anyone who's even moderately curious about this character. Or even just wants to read a really great science fantasy story about past and present and future lives. That sounds like everything I could ever hope for about a story about a man with a mace and wings. Yeah. Yeah, yep, yep, that's about it. More than, more than what you're expecting, for sure. He Jeff Johns did. He, he did Jeff Johns it. He Jeff Johns with the best of them. I mean, he was Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns handpicked Rob Venditti to follow up his legendary run on Green Lantern. Rob replaced him for like 80-some-odd issues, and, and it was, was fantastic. Great. No, it was fucking, it was beautiful. Rob absolutely picked up the ball and ran with it and it was characters were still the voice was close enough that it wasn't like a tonal shift but it was new stories it was fresh stories and it was great it was great to get to hang out with him i know i wasn't on the panel but it was great to get to hang out with him uh while we were at the con i'm still just kind of basking in it yeah it's it's a it's a great show for like that breaks down the barriers between creators and fans you know you could you could throw up the barriers if you want but you can also lower them I also hosted the uh, the gala, the big dance party, which I've done several years in the past. Uh, but this was the best one ever. It really, really was. The folks who came out for it, all in costume, or mostly in costume, were just dancing their hearts out uh, enough that I I took a real risk. I was up there. I was emceeing. There was a DJ, DJ Fifi, and I had this crazy idea. You know, we had a, we had a stage of a good height, and uh, I've never crowd surfed before, and I've always kind of been curious about what the fuck that would feel like. And you know, even in the handful of clubs that I've been in where that was even conceivably possible, I'd had something with me like, you know, a purse or like pockets with shit in it, you know, and I haven't known what to do about that. You can't, you, you gotta be ready to lose everything you've got, you know, if you're crowd surfing. But in this case, I was like, you know, this is a really safe, controlled environment. Can I, is it possible? Could I do this? And uh, and I, I asked everybody, uh, hey, could you help me out with this crazy idea? Let's see if it would work. They all got real close to the stage. And uh, Fifi put on Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I leapt backwards and 
and thousands of hands. Well, not thousands, but it felt like thousands. It, it uh, might as well have been, Captain. They, who knows? I wasn't looking at them. They were on. They they escorted me for what felt like forever until gently putting me down. It was so amazing, and uh, what an, I mean, what an incredible crowd to to indulge that absurdity. It was absolutely wonderful. It was a great night. So did, were you were you like airborne for a second, or did you like just fall flat to backwards? I mean, I, I leapt backwards. Wow. You live in the dream. Yeah, someone told me, like, you're living your best life. And I was like, kind of, yeah, yeah. You know, it's hard. It's really fucking hard to argue. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a planner, but I sort of see what would feel right or good, where that would be, and just put myself out there and... And that's, you know, that's why I have such a long relationship with North Carolina Comic-Con. I started going to these shows with Aaron and the people who put it on like me and invited me to do some presentation. And that just kept growing and growing and growing. And it's useful to them for me to be there. I take care of some problems they don't want to deal with. But also, <laughs> I get to do cool shit like that because I have a random idea and I don't say no to it. I say yes to it. Or how can I do this? And as a result, I, I have a really good time. So, you know, hey, if you ever... Want more out of life? Just just go crowd surfing. Yeah, just go, go crowd, surfing. Just crowd surfing. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> what Cap is saying is go back and watch the Jim Carrey film Yes Man and then turn it off after about 40 minutes before he realizes that he doesn't have to say yes to everything and then just say yes to everything. <laughs> I didn't even remember that that movie was the thing that happened. It was, and it wasn't terrible. It was actually kind of fun in Jim Carrey. It's the closest Jim Carrey has been to like a liar, liar type situation in, in forever. It sounds uh, very similar. Well, it was directed by the same guy. Ah. <laughs> well, you guys got any other Comic-Con memories worthy of, of sharing? Other than watching some terrible movies uh, on purpose. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it's sort of, I don't want to say it broadens your horizons, but it... It's like a palate cleanser, so you can enjoy the good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. If ever you want to be able to enjoy a good fugitive movie, watch a bad fugitive movie. Yeah. Oh, can you... Can you? Okay, so so after I was out doing this gala, I come back, and, we, and at nighttime, the staff and guests get together and drink a bunch of booze and watch some bad movies, and it's like it just adds to the homey environment that makes this Comic-Con so very, very great. Yeah, homie. But I, I got in late on account of the gala... And I missed a movie. It was called Fugitive X, Innocent Target. It was directed, written, starring... And theme song sung by... Uh, a gentleman named David Hevener. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Hevener. That's how it's spelled. Hevener, yeah. And... Uh, Hevener. <laughs> Hevener. It's, it's like a mixture of early Quentin Tarantino... This guy, he just makes movies starring himself. Everything's a vanity project. And it's like an excuse to look at boobs and... Uh, and uh, he, is, he is apparently like a hardcore Christian. Yes. And, the, and and all of it is an excuse to just indulge in these in, non-Christian in the activities. Yeah. But he, it's like the people who engage in the hedonistic behavior that he gets to bear witness to... And punish. Uh, always wind up having having bad things happen to them. But this movie is about... Uh, well, hold on. Here's how I found out about this film. And that's we're going to sleep in the hotel room. The lights are completely out. We're all like... And you start fucking bedtime storying me. Well, this it's, whole it's, it's, insane Doug laughed. Doug just started giggling out of nowhere. <laughs> and, because and, the movie was so <laughs> stupid. I couldn't there, there, stop thinking about it. There, this it was the best kind of bad movie because not, it's for those of you who are film students who have like are familiar with the but and therefore method of storytelling, which is where a custom, you know a character wants something but this happens, therefore they have to do this, but therefore, but therefore. And if uh, your story is just a bunch of and then this happens and then they meet this person and then this happens and then they have to run and it's like. That's just bad. It's, it's boring just, yeah. because nothing. It, there's there's no motivation. There's, there's no connectivity. There's nothing to overcome. This is a movie where things happen, and at the risk of running, because it took us a good like forty minutes to run through it, <laughs> uh, and we don't need to do that. So we'll do like the, the the highlights of it, which is that there is a guy. The David Hebner plays a ex cop whose daughter was killed in a car crash, whose wife is paralyzed, who is now working at like some kind of tech company. Who is 
drugged and kidnapped and made to be part of a most dangerous game situation where people are taking bets as to how long he will survive. Yeah, they, they, they pick a random civilian and they give them a gun and set them loose on the streets of L.A. and they send a team, a squad could of... Could be of, L.A. Could be we're L.A. We're not actually sure. Yeah, we're not actually sure. They never say for sure, but it looks like L.A. And they send a hit squad after them and see how long they can survive. And every hour, the bets increase and the odds go up and, you know, and whatever. The house, the house loses money and the people who have, like bet to see how long he'll survive, gain more. Yeah. That's the you setup. Know. It sounds like a cool setup. It is not well executed yeah, no, in any way, shape, or form. It's 12 hours in the life of this guy running for his life. And it feels like 36 as you're watching it. Yeah. It's just one crazy scene that leads into the next with very little connecting it, very now, little uh, to Doug says forward. that they're crazy scenes, but it's not crazy as in something crazy happened. Yeah, not like, oh my it's god. It's crazy that's... as in how the fuck did somebody think that this was the way to shoot this scene? Yeah, or like, what does this have to do with everything we saw pr previous? There's nothing in common. The person who is responsible for setting him on this path to begin with, he goes into a limousine, and in the limousine is a bunch of prunes. We know there are a bunch of prunes in there because the person who calls the limousine, the big the bad guy. The big bad guy calls the limousine, tells him the prunes are there, and says that will help. What was it, Doug? It was, it's like they're good for the bowels and it will help your stool. <laughs> <laughs> and, so and for the rest of the movie, anytime he's talking to anybody, <laughs> every time the big bad picks up the phone, Amelia's, has he made yet? Has he, what, how is his stool? How is his stool doing? Because How many nugs? It never comes up again. <laughs> never it's, comes up, but it did. It was there. Yeah. But, uh, but things that happened throughout the course... Again, I'm just going to like run through bullet points. Hobo with a grenade launcher. Uh, <laughs> Not as cool as it sounds. The slow motion jumps for three foot gaps. About as lame as it sounds. A, a tuxedo ruined by garbage for no reason. Police officers that give up on looking for a suspect because garbage smells bad. Yeah, the gar they he dives into a dumpster. The the Wait, cops just just, yeah. just, just let's because next, yeah. coming up next. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Hold, hold on. You got let's oh. see. What I wish you guys had done is I wish you told them a bedtime story like you told me a bedtime story because you can list as many things as you yeah. want and that'll be perfectly great. But when you really when you really cut into the scenes and this absurd sequence of events that you unleashed on me, it just it's just not the same if you're just listening. It's so please, maddening. please at least, explain at least the, this, the dumpster sequence. The, the, the dumpster sequence. He, he runs into an alley pursued by two police officers that have never in their life taken a gun safety class. And, and now he, they, he's ducked down an alley. They have, they, they've lost line of sight on him, but they know he's in the alley. At the end of the alley is a dumpster. He climbs into said dumpster. The cops run into the alley. There's nowhere else to hide. Except so the dumpster. Yeah, so they approach the dumpster, guns drawn. They lift the lid of the dumpster and immediately make faces of disgust. And we thought, oh my God, is there a body in there? Did he kill himself? What's going on? And then they walk away waving their faces as if they smell shit. Stinky. And it's like the garbage smelled so bad. They walked away and this didn't and didn't even report in that a suspect is loose or anything. And then two seconds later, he hops out of the fucking dumpster. Yeah. Because as it turns out, that's where he was hiding. Of course. And, uh, and then Rob runs into the chin of justice himself, Robert Zadar. Where and, and with, a completely unrelated plot thread. What And what will people know Robert Zadar from? From a number of different things. He's been in so many bad movies. People would know his chin if they saw it. He was in actually Hell Comes to Frogtown 2. Two is in also, or two is in the sequel? Two is in the sequel. He plays the Rowdy Roddy Piper role. <laughs> oh, All right. It is still not worth watching. So, wait, did he... So he, he plays uh, Sam Hell? Yes. Fuck me. So he was also in Tango and Cash, Samurai Cop, Maniac Cop, uh, Cherry 2000, Maniac Cop 2 and 3. If you guys have watched... Uh, Psycho Cop... If you, watch, cop. if you watch Red Litter Meter, Robert Zadar has shown up in a number of things. Robert Zadar, like, knocks him out, picks him up, and takes him back to a flower shop. But it's not actually a flower shop. Well, it is a flower shop on top, but, like, but a, behind the a, scenes. It is a scene where it is, behind the scenes, it it's is a sex like a dungeon, sex dungeon <laughs> uh, that is run by French Mario. 
As in Mario Mario or Luigi Mario? As in Mario Mario. As in Mario Le Mario. And we know he's French Mario because he's got a Mario mustache, suspenders, a red bow tie, and a fucking beret. Red beret? Black beret. It was a black beret? It was a black beret. Was it a raspberry raspberry beret? We'll split the difference. Okay, I'll go with the kind you find at a secondhand store. Exactly. Um, (laughs) It's he watched the gimp scene from Pulp Fiction and and said, said, I want to do that, but instead of it being gay, I want it to be a sexy lady in a dominatrix outfit. Instead of it being even remotely threatening by having the gimp be somebody you never completely understand, right? Just exists. I'm gonna put Robert Zadar in a balaclava after we've seen his face. Yeah. And after the hero has seen his face. And then have him take it on and off like four or five times while our hero is chained up to an X with a wheel. It looks like they had rotated him around a couple of times. Yeah. It's, it's the It was the way for him to make this movie so he could experience this aspect of his life that he wanted to explore. And then we have to witness it on film. Uh, and there's the pl- and then there's the plausible deniability. Uh, We're like, no, no, it's just for a movie. And it wasn't, all, all you know. the while, my understanding is all the while he's wagging his finger at it and getting and getting it horribly wrong. The yeah. entire subculture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. So back to the bullet list. Uh, there is a, a dog with a pile of blood around its neck. <laughs> the dog's okay. The dog lives. Dog, dog lives. Dog lives. There is a pointless lesbian subplot that goes nowhere. Oh, there was a point, just not to the plot. I, Fair play. Uh, and my understanding was that the point was so he could turn a gay woman straight. Yeah, he, he uh, because he, he wasn't even interested in her, like, romantically. He just had such a sad story that he had to tell her about his life. And she felt so bad for betraying his trust that he turned her straight. And also, uh, based on him just being there, got her partner killed. Yeah, her, uh, so, her girlfriend uh, was shot in the face. Yeah, so like, hey, great doubleheader uh, bullshit that uh, straight people put on gay characters in film. Thanks, dude. There was a, a dune buggy chase Yeah. where I'm pretty sure that... It, the, ju- it jumped a skateboard ramp that was maybe two <laughs> feet off the ground. <laughs> there was a western shootout in a medieval castle. Yeah, the, quite literally the, the main villain is like... All right, here's your chance. Tosses him a, a, a six-shooter. Six shooter, and they have a good old-fashioned draw in a medieval castle. In a castle, yeah. In the middle of Los Angeles. Yeah. I, for no fucking reason. Yeah, so rent it for a fun time, you know? <laughs> or, or pirate it. I or, yeah, or pirate it. I don't know how you watch this thing. It seems borderline impossible. But, but it sounds like an amazing time if you have a thirst for a terrible film with extremely questionable motives. I yeah. will, it is 40 minutes of sheer entertainment. Unfortunately, <laughs> the movie's an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> because by the end of it, we were all just kind of like, is it over? Like, it felt like it would never end. Is but it over? When you were telling me about it late at night, I was shocked by how the conversation kept going. But I was never exhausted with it. I was just like, this is like some kind of lucid dream. Yeah. None of these pieces fit together. Oh, worth mentioning. The way he gets drugged and kidnapped is that oh, he's at an office. And then a regular corporate day. office. It's, wait, it's, it's his birthday. It's his birthday. He goes to work. He's in a suit. He's in a, a tux. Tuxedo. Because they're going to be filming him today for a commercial for his business. Which is never really explained. It's not even his business. He just works there. But he shows up. He's at work. He's in his cubicle. His uh, jerk. He's about to go. He's about to start typing on his computer. Yeah, his, which is not turned on. Yeah. His jerk co-worker who's leering at every lady in the office. Hubba, hubba. Yeah. Uh, is just chatting with him. And then all of a sudden you hear them singing... Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. I think, yeah, because they can't sing the happy birthday song. And if I'm trying to be fair, I think what they were singing as they were clapping was... Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday boy. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday boy. So please uh, do that at your next birthday celebration. And then they wheel in a giant cake that's really not a cake. they don't wheel it in. They fucking carry it. They carry it in. They had four people carry this cake in, and it's clearly not a cake. And I'm sitting there watching it like, is there a stripper about the Yeah, who's popping out? Yeah. Somebody's about to... I thought it would be a twist. I thought there'd be like, oh, an assassin pops out of the cake or some shit. Nope. Fucking a... Literally a stripper. A stripper pops out. 
she... And it's in the middle of an office. Yeah. In corporate America, the women are sitting there There watching. are more women than men in that office. And, and they were all standing around of all ages. And they, and, and they were all dressed like normal people. And they're clapping along and laughing as this stripper literally starts to get naked in the middle of the office, in the middle of the day, and starts grinding on our hero. I mean, and he's, and I, he's like, I wish we had that kind suits. of sex positivity, though I, I do think that that's uh, generally an exploitive kind of... Uh, yeah, it was very... But it's it was, not even like this is an office filled with scumbags. You know, we're, we're shown that his friend at the office... It's He's like maybe the scumbag. He's like the but scumbag. But what you're describing is a bunch of things that don't make sense. The bunch, right. a, a, a situation conceived of from the mind of this very repressed and insane person who made this film. Yeah. I guess, you know how like Twilight is often criticized as being like, oh, it's about all the... There's subtext here about how you're so repressed. This is like the escape you know, like sexually, but it's mixed with the fantasy of the monsters. Uh-huh. This is the male fantasy version of that, where women are constantly throwing themselves at you, even lesbians, and you are someone that everybody is after, but you're an unstoppable killing machine, and it's that power fantasy of, like, I'm not a spy, I'm just a regular guy, but I could no, totally he is be... An ex-cop. To be fair, he is an ex-cop. But he's, but, they, but he's like a regular guy, though. He's not, he's not super cop. He's just like, I'm just a regular Joe who's had a hard time, and now he can fucking kill, like, Rambo. Like it's, I, I don't know if that's true, because I feel like there was some stuff where they were talking about how good a cop he was true how the force misses him uh however i don't i'm still uh, you're you're not wrong because <laughs> this motherfucker stormtroopers have better aim than the people who are chasing him yeah not uh, even exaggerating he, he's not run he doesn't run so much as he has a brisk jog as he's trying to get from <laughs> a to b uh and his well he's got it he's got a right and direct he doesn't want to tuck himself out too much his his one combat move is a half-hearted roundhouse kick that he uses ad nauseum. If you haven't figured it out by now, we had a great time. (laughs) (laughs) To the point where we did legitimately keep Cap up an additional 45 minutes just to... Just retelling every little nuance that we could think of or remember. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Slept like a baby. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So in a moment, we'll talk about stuff other than what we did at North Carolina Comic Con. But in the meantime, I just want to point out that uh, this program and all the shows on the Nerdy Show Network are entirely listener-supported. If it's not for you folks... We don't exist. Yeah, and and like caring about what we do, um, we would definitely not be here. Uh, I want to point out that if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, please do check out the Call of Cthulhu Mystery program at CthulhuMystery.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever podcasts are sold. It it, it has been a massive, massive labor of love. We now have two episodes out. There's more to come. In fact, the series is actually a bit longer than I realized it was going to be. We're looking at maybe eight or nine episodes in total releasing every other week. So that's through to January. For those of you keeping track, it's been an absolute joy to produce this series, and it's been quite complicated, and, and your funding via Patreon has entirely made this possible. It has cost hundreds of dollars to put this together. I I don't have a final total yet because we're still spending money on it and we're very, very grateful. It's extremely fulfilling to make something like this and we know that a great many of you wanted us to return to the series and we're happy to make it happen. And if you want to see more Call of Cthulhu and if you'd like it to come out faster, the more resources we have, the better. So if you can support us at any amount, even a dollar, it makes a huge difference. Also at North Carolina Comic Con, I recorded a lot of these panels. I don't know what they sound like yet. I might release some of them as episodes, but I might also release some of them just as Patreon perks. And if I do, 
then uh, you'll probably be getting those at the $5 or more Patreon tier. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, please do rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. On Podchaser, you can review this specific episode if you want to. And uh, there are definitely some people we should give shout-outs to, but I don't have any of that information in front of me right now as we are in a car. So uh, thank you in advance, um, and we will definitely read your names, uh, new patrons, uh, in our following episode of Nerdy Show coming out in two weeks. And for all of you who, uh, who rate and review us on any, any platform, we'll, we'll keep, be keeping an eye out, and, uh, and we'll read your, uh, your reviews on, uh, on our next episode. Hey, I want to give a shout-out to Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons in the movie Never Too Young to Die. Doing God's work, friend. Doing God's work. I don't know what God you're talking about. <laughs> Neither do I. Yeah. It, was, it was just, it was perfect. Betamax, God of shitty movies. That's the one. <laughs> Betamax, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> uh, Doug, what, what have you been up to outside of, uh, you know, this experience at North Carolina yeah. Comic Con? Um, I have, for a long time, I've had a list of, like, films that I've been wanting to see. A lot of them are considered like older classic films, some newer classic stuff. I'm trying to catch up on that and a lot of TV, but I don't want to spend half my life in front of a TV because I spend most of my working days in front of a computer screen. But uh, I've been uh, putting in, I've been renewed efforts into trying to see some classic stuff before it leaves Netflix or disappears entirely. Um, I saw The Endless Summer for the first time. Have any of you seen The Endless Summer? Yeah, and Endless Summer too. I haven't seen Endless Summer 2, but I want to see it now because it's, of the first one. It's not as good as the first one, but I, long shot. But I had no idea going into it what the movie was. Like, I knew I knew the premise. Two surfers decide to cross the equator to experience an endless summer and find the perfect wave. That's the tagline for the thing, and that's all I knew about the movie. I had no idea it was a documentary. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. So the movie starts, and it's, it's a documentary, and there's just narration the entire time from the filmmaker who followed these surfers. And surf with them. And uh, the, I'm wondering, when is this opening narration going to stop? <laughs> and when's the, 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 narr- the, the, like the narrative story going to kick in? And it didn't. And, and it, I mean, it was fine. I, I, I enjoyed it very much. But, but at the same time, it's like when you, when, you, when you order eggs and you're expecting them to come out scrambled and instead you get an egg in the face. Or, just, or a boiled egg. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, when are you going to cook it? Oh, it is cooked. Oh, okay. I can begin to eat it now, I guess. Um, but the thing that... that what was that analogy, Tony? <laughs> the, th- the thing that I, love, uh, that I loved reading about it afterwards was that while I was watching it, I was just thinking, you know, this is almost like watching someone's home movies back in the 60s. Like, we went on a crazy vacation. Let's tell you all about it. Except it wasn't annoying and the music was better. <laughs> um, but then I come to, come to find out that's exactly what it was. When they filmed this, it was just them. There's no sound. It's just them doing a home home movies. It's them goofing around in between. Like, in between, they go to surf spots. It's them goofing around town, just kids with a movie camera. And what they did was when they finally went around the world and they filmed in all these wonderful locations, and they took the film on a tour to, like, high school gymnasiums and any other art house cinema places that would show it. And they would talk about it. The narrator of the movie would narrate the entire film live Whoa, with surf no music idea. with surf music playing on record players and he would just they would just improvise the stories like like retelling it every wow. single time and they said and, and and they did it for like a year and a half and then they were like this is so good why don't you guys just record you know the narration once and then release it in theaters and, and that's what and they did documentary history is made exactly so that was really good um it was, it was a lot of fun uh, I didn't know anything about surfing, and I've seen movies with surfing as a major component, but they never go into, dare I say, the science of surfing, <laughs> like of like what makes a, a, a wave worth riding, and like what's considered a good wave and shit. I don't know. It was it, um, maybe it was just maybe it's obvious to everyone else, but it was a world that I <laughs> knew nothing about, and it was really interesting. Um, and started then, there, and then peaked in the movie Surfs Up, yeah. uh, starring Shia LaBeouf as a penguin. Surfs Up is great. The score to Surfs Up is one of the best scores of that entire decade. I'm not knocking the movie at all. I actually okay. really like it. Okay, yeah, I mean, Sur- Surfs Jeff Up Bridges, It's also one of the first uh, animated roles that Jeff Bridges ever did. Other than that, I watched this Orson Welles movie that I'd never heard of called The Stranger. Um, it was released like a year or two. It was like, it's, I think it's two years after World War II ended. And it's about a Nazi, like a terrible, terrible Nazi who escaped the uh, Nuremberg trials. 
and has started living a life in America, and he's dating the daughter of a Supreme Court justice member, and he's got plans to use that power to infiltrate the United States and start another war. Uh, <laughs> I don't like this. It's too real. Please stop. I know. And, like, so there's parts of it that was like, man, this is kind of topical. But it's Orson Welles playing the villain, and he directed it. And it's a surprising little movie that I that I hadn't heard of. And I'm scared that once it's no longer on Netflix or any other streaming service, the world's going to forget about it because... How is how anybody going to forget about an Orson Welles film? I mean, like, are we? Is there really a, a legitimate threat of that somehow? I don't know because I'd never. I mean, I just because I'd never heard of it doesn't mean that it wasn't known. I mean, I've I've heard of it. I didn't know the plot, but I've heard of it. But do you, no, have, it has, you, that does actually speak to something that's kind of interesting, which is the impermanence that streaming platforms offer. Yeah, you know, it's one thing that. For us in this car, the movies that we know, the movies that we grew up on, and maybe those that cultivated our passion for them, you know, there was a shelf somewhere that had all these movies, we could go back to them as much as we wanted. And it's like, now, if these were movies that our parents borrowed, and then their friends would come and take them back. At random times. At random times. And it's just like, well, can I go, can I watch All Dogs Go to Heaven? Nah, Uncle Johnny brought that back, brought that, had to take that home. And it's like, but I want to watch it. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons I still go out and buy movies. Ownership has purpose, it's not just hoarding. Like, but have you ever there even is a, seen... There is a, a hoarding uh, aspect to it, but yeah, go ahead. But have you ever even seen The Stranger on DVD or Blu-ray anywhere? I haven't, but I also haven't looked for it. Yeah, right. I, haven't, I haven't looked for it either. But I mean, like, for example, I mean, if we're going to broaden the horizons of this conversation, Filmstruck just got axed by um, by the parent company that, that owned it and was operating it. Filmstruck was a streaming film service for cinephiles. It, it had all of TCM's catalog which is extremely expansive. It includes remasters done for television of material that was not necessarily worthy for, uh, you know, popular consumption and having DVD or Blu-ray releases. So lots of rare shit that was highly exclusive was on there, in addition to the entirety of the Criterion Collection. And uh, I'll say for anyone, because I was, I was so close it's to... It's the only streaming service I've ever yeah, really wanted. It, it, I was so close to getting it myself, but I was waiting to, a little bit longer to see if they would release a PlayStation 4 app so I would go directly to my TV. And the only reason I didn't do it is because I have no time to enjoy it. Yeah. It also begs the question, you know, if this is where these films are sourced, who is deciding what gets to stay in what gets or what needs to leave? And how is that going to color what we even think of as being classic film well, though admittedly, or culture? We know now, what we know now about streaming services is only what we know now. The, uh, the experience of experiencing films, the mediums through which they're distributed, will continue to change at a rapid pace. And uh, more and more things will like slip into public domain, and the nature of experiencing movies could become completely different in ways that we could not predict ourselves. And I think that's highly likely because information is uh, is valuable and because if progress from the internet itself and the way people interface with the internet continues unimpeded, then curation from individuals is one of the core facets of what people do on the internet. So I'll, I'll say uh, a little bit of light at the end of this tunnel. For anyone who was thinking about getting filmstruck, or you, maybe you didn't even know about it, but you think that's really up your alley, and you may be bummed to hear that it's going away, there is an alternative. It's not as good, but it, it's definitely good enough. And now it's the only game in town. <laughs> it's the only game in town. There's an app and a service called Canopy, but it's Canopy with a K. And the only way that you, the, the only thing you need to do to get it, it's it's a free app. All you need is a library card to your local library. So, okay. so either go down to your local library and get a library card. Which you should do anyway. Books and knowledge is power. I didn't even have to go down to my local library to get my library card because you could fill out a form online and they'll mail you a library card to your home. So do that. When you get your library card, download the app called Canopy with a K. You type in your library card information and it will stream movies that your local library has and it's often filled with criterion films and with a heavy slant on international films hell yeah 
And uh, there's a lot of kids' films in there, too, because kids, you know, they want to have stuff for the kids in the library. But there's a great selection, and they're adding new stuff all the time. But it's going to depend on where your local library is. It's not literally like the library down the street. It's like the county or state that you live in will have a, a specified list. But it's a, it's a national service in theory. That yes, like... at least for North America. Right. And um, uh, the only downside is that, well, you can watch it on your phone or you can watch it on your computer. I don't think there's an app for any other like TV, smart TV or anything just yet. But it's, it's free. Like, you, there's no monthly fee. So it's just you're using your library's library. <laughs> like, you're using the, all the films that you would see in your local library, but you don't even have to get off your couch to so see it. That is... Just be sure to return the movies before the due date. Those fees can add up quick. You don't even have to rewind it. <laughs> be that, kind, anyway. Th- yeah. This this is an incredible... I, I'm, I'm hesitant to use the term life hack, but I've never heard of this before, and it sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, and if for some reason you can't use the app, just go down to your local library. They have movies that you rent for free, like a book, and then you return it. Some libraries in this country, they will deliver books and movies to your door, and then you put it in a bag and tell them when you're done, and they'll come pick it up. Yeah. So, seriously. You can do that here in Orange County in Florida. I mean, this is Nerdy Show. Be a nerd. Be a fucking nerd <laughs> yeah, for you... once in your life. <laughs> get your library card. And I'm, I shit you not, worlds will open to you, not just in the traditional bookworm sense. Libraries are heaven. And I very recently, uh, based on some research we did for, uh, for Willow, went back to the uh, library at the University of Central Florida where I spent a lot of time doing research when I was in college there. And it, it used to be a technical college. And there are so many unusual books and I can't wait to go back there and for those of you who are fans of the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program when we get to the series that I'm going to be game mastering oh oh it's going to get very intense and it's going to be extremely researched so libraries rule dogs rule sorry Homeward Bound is just still baked in my brain that's an interesting problem um let me, uh, I can unbake that for you. I'll just get a, we'll heat up like some kind of big nail and just kind of stick it up your nose and don't do it around. Don't do that. Tony? Don Ami- Look, Don Amici and Michael J. Fox were marvelous in that role. Tony, I'm just saying, if you can't get it out of your head, go down to your local library. <laughs> you can get the Incredible Journey book and most likely both Homeward Bound and the Incredible Journey movies and you could watch and read it all for fucking free. I have read and The Incredible Journey. Homeward it Bound 2. much more boring film. Uh, which takes place in San Francisco, I believe. It does. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen it. I'm not sure. I have. You're not, uh, you're not missing much. It's all about Chance Falls in Love. And it sings I Left My Heart in San Francisco. Huh. That's uh, all I remember about that movie. You, you can rent All Dogs Go to Heaven uh, 2. Uh, maybe. Maybe they even collected the animated series. Who knows? Either way, it's garbage. But maybe you want to eat garbage like a dog. Who knows? Or you know, look for classic literature and films that are or easily available. Yeah, or it's it's all it's all on the same it's all on the same shelf. Just you know, whatever. It's up to you. It's your life. Weird thing about All Dogs Go to Heaven too. I thought at first that it was in because I was an idiot. I thought it was intrinsically better because it was Charlie Sheen playing Charlie, and they had the same name, so that meant that that was what was supposed to happen. You dumbass. Oh, <laughs> I, I I never seen that. It's but, not great. But let me, Still had Dom DeLuise. I mean, the movie starts with with Dom DeLuise's character dying. Uh, so he gets to be back, he gets to be with Charlie again. Uh, uh, I can't uh, do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now one dog dies enough. I can't do another one. They figured, oh, we can't just have Charlie keep coming back. So now we have to have all of the characters. His name is Itchy, right? Dom yes. DeLuise's character. Itchy. So Itchy dies, goes to heaven. They have to go back and help another kid. Is that really pretty angel dog still there? Yes. Cool, I liked and her. And what was the what was the villainous dog again? Help me out here. Uh Carface. Carface. What a great name. Carface dies as well. And the devil conscripts him, right? Sells his soul to Satan, who is a cat. Uh-huh. And I remember the moment where he's sitting there laughing at the end of the movie, like they've they've all succeeded. The the good guys are about to go back up to heaven. And Carface is sitting there laughing because, you know, stupid cat. I, you know, all he gave me everything I wanted and all I had to do was give him my shoe. Dogs don't even wear shoes. Ha, 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 ha. And all of a sudden there's this deep, resonant voice. You fool. It was your soul. That's not a good joke. That's a really fucking bad, that's bad. That's really fucking bad. Even by all dogs go to heaven standards. 
and then Carface gets dragged down to hell. Huh. That okay. was about how that movie ended. It was not great. So not all dogs go to heaven. Did uh? Did well, they do until you sell your soul to Satan. You until you, you until you sell your shoe to Satan. Those those words totally sound the same. I don't know if I should be talking about this, but um, here here's a project that Lefty Lucy and I are, are want to work on. So maybe get hype for it or uh, or help us do it. There's a Patreon exclusive perk that I think is at the five dollars or more tier. It might be at one dollar. I think it's five though. Where Lefty and I. Uh, we're hanging out together in person for a change like a year ago and <laughs> and watched All Dogs Go to Heaven and Rockadoodle back to back. I had like a Don Bluth, an impromptu Don Bluth night, drank a bunch of hot cocoa and watched Don Bluth. And then just we just got so absorbed in the weird world of Don Bluth films that we did a whole episode about it that was Patreon exclusive. But we had this crazy idea of the music in All Dogs Go to Heaven fucking sucks. It's terrible, but there's some aspects, like, the film's really well- let's make music together. Let's make sweet harmony. Uh, but it's, it's Don Bluth, though. It's gorgeous animation. The, the effects are, oh, incredible. And it also takes place in New Orleans, Lefty's current home. It's weird, the story itself doesn't reference the, the character, it doesn't play the whole, uh, location as character card in terms of how it's written, except that- the backgrounds, the scenes where all the things are happening are very much embedded in the culture of New Orleans. Um, and then there's also things like the inexplicable uh, drag queen alligator. There's Big a, lipped alligator moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember the exact internet phraseology about the alligator. Yep. Um, but here's what we want to do. We want to create a live presentation that completely redoes the film with all new songs and uh, a live vocal performance. Oh, Jesus. And we're pretty fucking serious about it. Well, best of luck. Yeah, I know, right? That may someday be a Nerdy Show co-production. Keep your eyes peeled. Uh, it's going to take a while. we got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> but it's, it's, in, it's in our ever-growing docket of projects. Guess that's my turn, then. Uh, it's been a while since the last time I was on. You can tell because I've grown a beard that you can't see, but you can hear in the way I talk. Here, let's rub. Uh, that's, oh, that's, that's the sound of Tony's beard. Scruff, scruffly. Awesome. I don't know what that sounded like, and if it was terrible, I'm sorry. I'm not. That's 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 good bearded. That's good quality bearding. I mean, this is just this is the power of uh, of doing a podcast on a cell phone in a car. Is that I can rub it on the driver's face, which uh, is totally safe. Absolutely. Uh, outside of that, uh, I've been creating life with my wife. Oh yeah, you um you put your diggling in her hoo hoo cha cha and uh, and. <laughs> And shot some milk out. Whoa, okay, that was too much. <laughs> Dingling and cha-cha, hoo-cha-cha. You know, it's funny. Those were, clin- those were at least clinical words. <laughs> the OBGYN used the same descriptors <laughs> as they were explaining what's coming because I am going to have a kid. I'm going to be a dad. Stacy is in the second trimester now. Uh, we're expecting her first child back in May. Or coming <laughs> <laughs> time traveling baby <laughs> it's it's temporarily confused but yeah we are we're gonna be we'll find out the the sex of the baby at the end of this month we are very excited I cannot wait to have a reason to know as many dad jokes as I do and this will it, be really validating for you Tony it, it will actually in a lot of ways it's it's kind of, it's what I have been building for for many years. But you should brace yourself, though, because while this child will congratulate you for a good long while and you'll become emotionally dependent on that child's congratulations of your behavior... Hey, Kev, let's, let's not go into the soul-crushing aspect of what's going to They will turn they against you, Tony. <laughs> they might not, Cap. I really hope they don't. It's not a guarantee, and it's a terrible trope to enforce. But... And yet, you want to play into my anxieties. Thank you. My hair is falling out as you speak. <laughs> so that's cool life happenings in, in Tony Town. Pop culture-wise, I indulged in all of season three of Daredevil. It's fucking fantastic. It, there is an 11-minute fight sequence that was actually shot in one continuous take. It is absurd. And Charlie Cox even did a lot of the stunts for it. I, I, I highly recommend you guys, if you have the opportunity, watch that episode. It's it's fucking cool. At least watch up to that episode. It's fucking great. I've been taking in a little bit of Hilda on Netflix, which is a new animated show that's there. I've heard uh, good to mixed things. It is it is good to mixed, in my experience with it so far. Uh, and I, like so many others, have been losing myself in the wild west. In Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, shoot, boy, you kill any horses? 
I have not. Uh, I have. Yeah, you got to put them down to break the legs. Let me put it this way. Uh, I have none of my horses have died. Well, good have, for you, son. I good for killed, you. God bless you. I have killed other horses. Uh, oh, well, Jim the Cricket, is that you, nice? You, you're just a monster. <laughs> That's what they call me as I'm roaming the plains. Tony the monster. There is very little I can say that others haven't already. It is outrageous. The, the level of detail in this game is, is staggering. And uh, holy fucking shit. Just in general, holy fucking shit. It is so good. Okay, if you we'll put that means. on the box. Holy fucking shit, this is so good. Tony Baldini <laughs> Nerdy Show. I mean, that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> it is. Uh, have also... Uh, I've been keeping up with some fun news. Netflix has a, ser- a bunch of new shows that are coming out, one of which is helmed by Craig McCracken of Powerpuff Girls and uh, Wander Over Yonder and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends fame. Which, I, I saw this announcement, but which one is that? There was It was like a, it was uh, wrapped up in a bunch of other announcements. It's the kid with a garbage truck. The kid with a garbage truck. I don't even know if I read about that one. There was something about, like, there was a, a, a Mayan-themed animated film that it's coming to Netflix soon that sounded fantastic. I didn't see that, but I did see the Pacific Rim. Yep. Very excited for that. Have no idea what it's going to be. Oh, yeah. I should add another panel I did at North Carolina Comic Con was an animation panel with Tommy Lee Edwards and uh, Sean Crystal and Jim Mahfood. It was really great. There's a lot I could say about it, but I will say that I saw some concept art from a Pacific Rim animated series that is not this animated series that was canceled when the film was postponed the first time. Pacific Rim 2, that is. They were, they were developing an animated series that was not... This one's like a, an anime, right? Like a straight-up anime? I believe so. This was This was not that. This was a very, like... It's the film, and it's just as gritty, but it's animated, very overseen by Guillermo del Toro to a degree, uh, and it got canned along with a lot of other plans when um, when production was initially delayed for the second film. And uh, it's just amazing how much how much material gets built for projects that never happen. It just re- it really is, and uh, and it's wonderful that we can have conventions where. We still get to have those things come out. Yeah, we, we get to see aspects of them we wouldn't, we wouldn't anticipate. And I hope that someone someday is able to do the same thing with the Willow animated series that we... I mean, Doug and I showed art from because the internet has that art. Animated series based on the George Lucas film Willow. But, you know, there's a lot we don't know about that project. I'd love to know more. I hope we get that someday and then we can also bring that to the floor. As for me, since the last episode, I've been working nonstop on Call of Cthulhu working nonstop on a project for a Consequence podcast network called The Opus, which is coming out later this week, if everything goes according to plan, and prepping to leave for North Carolina Comic Con. So, I haven't done much of anything. Please go enjoy Call of Cthulhu. It is literally the only thing going on in my life right now, aside from some other stuff that is, uh, you know, it's important, but... It's, it's not, not Call of Cthulhu important. It's not as, it's not as important to me. It's, you said it was one of the hardest things you've ever had to do for the network. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the most complex project we've ever done. I mean, which was true of the last one at the time. But this one has just stepped up so much further with, you know, hiring actors to do the NPCs and, and all that. I mean, look, I'm, I'm always curious to know everyone's thoughts on the project. Some folks, I know that they would like more actual play. These are not these are not comments that we've had about about this program. But like I know that there's there's typically there's two there's two listeners to the kinds of, of content we have. There's the folks who want the RPG actual play experience, and there's the folks who want the audio drama experience. And throughout our careers, creating these hybrid RPG audio dramas from Dungeons and Doritos to Pokeballs of Steelix and onward, and Ghostbusters Resurrection, of course, it's been a little difficult to find a union there. To strike a balance uh, the, between the two that well, satisfies both beasts. Well, yeah, because there's two audiences, and we have been gifted with our fan base at Nerdy Show to have an audience that does adore this hybrid of the two of them. But it wasn't until the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program, and to a lesser extent Ghostbusters, but Ghostbusters has been carried aloft by the Ghostbusters fandom. They don't necessarily have a relationship with either genre, they just like that it's a Ghostbusters story. But with this one, with the first series of Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program, we were able to bridge that gap further. And what I wanted to do with this one was to bridge it even further. I spoke to a friend of mine who just checked out Call of Cthulhu recently and started with Series 1, doesn't have a background in role-playing, and was kind of lost in the first episode, like, in terms of, like, connecting with it. And what I hope I've inadvertently done with Series 2 is to 
bridge things so much so that he would be able to connect with it. That the you know the roles are still there. The role playing component of it is still extremely intense. But at the same time, the audio drama part is also so intense that it is a full merger that can be respectful to both genres in a way that's never been seen before. That's my hope. That's what I'm trying for. And I mean, hey, if you want if you want pure actual play, there's other a lot of other shows that do that. I mean, Colin's doing sound design for this show, and he asked me. Um, so I'll give I'll like I'll turn in like 17 page scripts of added content or rereads and stuff. And he's like, are you sure you don't want to just script this show? But it's just not the same. Like the improvisation and, and us collaborating collectively as, as players to, to build a story with Luke or Keeper to make something, it, it, it's greater than, than any of us. So then when I'm able to step in, improve lines, change context around, clean a scene up so it's a little less complicated and, and plays better and we don't waste too many times on truly useless and unrewarding, not even comedically red herring uh, alternate paths, to tighten it up, to tell the best story possible, to pull in wonderful actors who can match or, or even work beyond our performance to, to uplift and enhance everything. I don't think I've gone overboard. I don't think I'm wasting my time and others' time. I'm hoping, hoping that I'm making something that is far greater. Like, all these parts disconnected wouldn't matter, but putting all this care into it will create something that is truly unique and special in a way that will make a lasting difference because this is the direction that I want to take our entire network in, in terms of where our focal point is going forward. Our tabletop role-playing shows slash audio dramas have always mutually been the content people love the most. I want to invest myself in that, and I love collaborative writing, so I want to do this. I want to continue to develop this hybrid format that we've pioneered you know, for so long and see how far I can take it. And hopefully... I won't be wasting my time. At the uh, risk of throwing out yet another strange metaphor that may not land, <laughs> listening to season two, which I really had no part of, I, I did I did a, a small bit looped line on the first episode, but I know nothing of where the story is going. I, I, I it's a surprise to me as I'm listening to it. And but you've heard you've heard three episodes. I've so heard far three episodes. Listening to it, it's not a straight actual play like the first season was, or like many other shows are, and it's not a straight audio drama, so the closest thing that I can, like, equate it to would be, it's like you are standing in the holodeck of the Enterprise as other people are running a program, and you're just observing. Because it fades in and out of pure story and out-of-character moments that where characters, like, the players would have an aside joke to each other, but yet the scene continues on. It's so hard to explain, but I totally dig it. And it's like, once you're in the groove of it, like along with the players, when they step out of character for a brief moment to make a joke and then go right back into it, it's not jarring. It just continues the story. So I don't know. I'm really looking forward to the rest of it, if, if my endorsement means anything. Thank you, Doug. It really, it really means a lot. <laughs> it's like, I can't even begin to explain how long this process has been. I believe it. <laughs> Cap is scaling the mountains of madness. <laughs> Spelunking, even. We'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe someday we'll go down that particular path specifically. Not this time, but uh, maybe next crime gum shoes. <laughs> maybe so. I have been rereading a lot of my uh, Lovecraft paperbacks from high school to uh, to prepare for new adventures. And if everything goes according to plan, we're in pre-production right now for series three already. We hope to record soon, maybe as late as January. Depending on schedules, the end of the year always gets really, you know, difficult. But it's going to be very different again. It's going to be a totally, a totally different experience. I mean, if everything goes as we're planning, I'm not going to be playing a character in season three that's not a not a role playing character. I'm going to be purely sound designing it. It's not the cap show, you know. Like I might be writing it, but I don't have to be in it all the time. So I've assembled a cast of people you know from Nerdy Show and people you know from Beyond Nerdy Show, and maybe people you don't know at all but are gonna know. And also Tony was there. <laughs> Tony isn't there yet, but Tony will be there someday. I might just. You might, I hope so. Who knows That's my what hope. evil lurks in the hearts of men that Tony knows. But like, if you, if you get used to uh, the way things are in, in this series in terms of like the tone of the story, I think the next one's going to be really, really different, and I'm hoping that's going to be okay. 
Like, it's still going to be a very scary, or well, I don't know if it, I don't know if the show's ever very scary, but like, it's, it's still no, going it to. I, I will I will speak from experience and listen to the first series, especially as things started getting toward the end between the sound design and the fact that these characters' lives were in legitimate peril. I was like proper creeped out, like just Dope. like awesome. Oh no. Oh, father, grandfather, why? Why did you go into the attic? <laughs> and then, like, when shit did hit the fan, it was just like, oh, fuck. It's happening. Yeah. And it was it was spectacular. Cool. Well. Spectacular, Spider-Man. I, I'm about to start scripting the, the final, final episodes. Uh, I mean, like, I'm in the midst. All right, like, like, the... I like I said, I don't know if it's eight or nine episodes right now, so I'm about to start like figuring that out and getting to like the real like you know the pinnacle of, of things going very wrong, um, and uh, and we'll see. Hopefully, I can hopefully I can match uh, the the prior series with that because that was that did turn out really really well. But then the, the next one's going to be different, and the one after that's going to be very different. And the ones that I I've been keeping on the side is my plans for like Cthulhu stories for a long time for me to tell as a keeper, which is going to be an experiment in and of itself. Those are going to be super different too. Hopefully the anthology aspect of where we're taking the series will... Continue to play. Yeah, I, I hope so. Otherwise we'll end up with, uh, well, the, uh, Hall- Halloween 3. But I love Halloween 3. So... Just for different reasons. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I guess that was a good enough aside for me. Cool. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Um, hopefully the car in the car Inception audio uh, didn't distract you too much from your own commute. And Listen, we know that you're, you were essentially just, like, riding in the car with us anyway. This time, it's just literal. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Um, we love you a long time. Yeah, bye. Bye. Say bye, Doug. Oh, bye. I didn't want to... <laughs> bye. Say bye, dog! Say bye, you motherfucker! Fucking bitch! Well, bye. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.